I hate the way it ended. I hate the way um, the media will talk about it because of the, the signing bonus situation. But at the end of the day, Darian Durant was a heck of a football player. He's a heck of a competitor. Uh, and and I'm, I'll leave it at that because it is what it is. He deserves that respect for sure. He's Chez. I'm Balls, and this is The Waggle talking all things Canadian Football League. And for all you people that have been hashtagging, is it June yet? Well, the next best thing is here, and it's mid-May training camp set to drop here any day now. And it's an exciting time to be a CFL fan. He's Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski. And remember, The Waggle, once again, a presentation of Sport Clips and, of course, you too can style woo and profile just like Ches and I by finding the nearest sport clips and be sure to use Davis's go-to and I'm talking about the sport clips MVP haircut experience with the massaging shampoos the hot steam towels I mean they're sizzling when it comes to chess sports on TV like oh I don't know perfect time right now where you got playoff basketball playoff hockey you got football baseball sports people oh and legendary haircuts and did I mention sports too? And if you like free just as much as this guy right here who puts a me and James, be sure to check out cfl.ca slash waggle to redeem a free MVP haircut for first time customers. Why do you sport clips? Our podcast it's good to be so much by doing that. How do you mean? Because you always talk about how it's free and who cares if it's free, even if it costs a thousand dollars an episode, a lot of people would still subscribe. So I think you're devaluing our product by going on about how free it is and another thing did you just give a a rick flair Woo! yeah when talking about massaging shampoos hot steam i towels. love it i love it i love it i love it you're fired up today see did you not did you not see did you not see rick flair trolling raptors fans during the playoffs because he's a big lebron guy uh yeah rick, rick flair was trolling oh, he yeah. did <laughs> uh the point being is chez for all these people that haven't found just how great Sport Clips is, we're offering a free haircut. That's what the good people at Sport Clips are doing. They're giving people a freebie to try things out. So Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy and a girl and a man <laughs> or a woman or a grandpa or a grandma or a little kid. And you can find a Sport Clips near you at sportclips.ca. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Darvin Adams, uh, we are going to catch up with a little later on this episode. And uh, the Bombers receiver, some good storytelling. And uh, we'll see how this uh, Oregon Duck love on your part and Auburn Tiger love on his part uh, kind of all meshes together. But first things first, we get into the news of the week. And Chez, that is the uh, abrupt retirement of, uh, I guess, one of the biggest stars of the Canadian Football League over the last decade. And that being one double D. Darian Durant was a surprise to, to many, for sure. I, I think that uh, you know, there was those you know rumors around that uh, about a month ago that Darian was possibly when he didn't show up to minicamp there. There was some conversation of what was what was really going on, and and uh, I think at that time he started to think about possibly not coming back. And from what Darian has um, has uh, came out and said that he let the Bombers know at that point in time that he was thinking about retiring so uh yeah it's been it's been strange and the conversation at this point in time should be celebrating the you know the uh, the greatness of Darian Duran his career and 
and what he's brought to this league. And, and instead, a lot of conversation has been about the signing bonus and hanging the uh, bombers out to dry and uh, should he return the bonus and what's deserving and what isn't. That's a lot of the narrative around Double D right now. So, yeah, it's been interesting. And he fired back on social and it's been it's been uh, wow, been good. It's been funny. <laughs> intriguing uh good bad stay in your lane in terms <laughs> yes he dropped a stay in your lane a a waggle favorite of ours i feel like he's been listening to the waggle for him to steal well no he's not necessarily stealing but he dropped a stay in your lane to uh, a media relations person uh, with the bombers and, and darren cameron he dropped some of that he was all over he was trolling bombers fans uh, he was just all of a sudden there was a, an element of Darian Durant where the shackles came off, I guess, from his personality uh, and really kind of laid things out. Uh, OK, let's let's dive into the moment here first, because the news that, you know, there's a lot of they said he said he said they said sort of going on back and forth based on what some of the bombers are suggesting and what Darian's saying. Um, at the root of it, he said they kind of gave them a hint a few months back that, you know, with the arrival of his of his little one um, back in January in the new year, that got him thinking uh, he's got a new opportunity. But I, it seemed to catch the organization somewhat off guard. And the timing, I think, is a little suspect for a lot of Bombers fans and the organization to say, what, about a week before camp starts, you're dropping this now? And, you know, for the 35-year-old to make that decision now, it also comes after the Bombers had paid him out a $70,000 signing bonus. And I, the organization report suggests that they had asked for the money back and Double D was happily not to oblige. Well, that's the, uh, you know, that's the argument that people have. I, I've heard some say, hey, you know what? organizations do it to teams all the time. Part of me, organizations do it to players all the time. You sign a contract that's three years and $400,000 and they cut you after a year and, and they don't pay you the rest of that contract. The contracts in the Canadian Football League aren't guaranteed. So that argument from one side is that, hey, wait, the contracts aren't guaranteed. Sometimes you get burnt. Sometimes um, you do the burning. And that's uh, what some would argue. And, and others say, uh, you know, in good in good faith, if you weren't planning on playing, you shouldn't have taken the bonus. And now that you've decided not to show up, and because it's a different scenario, and I I would probably lean towards that. Uh, you know, it's a different scenario when you're saying, you know, hey, uh, there's here's your signing bonus, which a lot of times it's it's and, and in Darian's case, it was you know really part of his salary. He was making I think 150 thousand is what's been reported, and and. He got 70 of that up front, so it was almost half of it. So really, that's part of his almost half. Yeah, that's part of his base salary. That's part of his salary for the season. So that was uh, you know, when he. If here's the question for me: it's, this would be the, the question, and no one knows except for Darian. You can speculate. I can speculate, and I can look at some things, put them together, and come up with my and formulate my opinion on, on what I see. Uh, but no one really knows, and that is: did Darian plan on playing for the Riders? in 2018 for the Bombers in 2018 was he planning on playing for the Bombers or did he take this contract the way it's structured uh, get his signing bonus knowing that there was a possibility or a good chance that he might not play and that that would be the question that, that I would ask when you're getting $150,000 base salary and you're getting half of that up front 
and you're living in the U.S. with a you know with a child and a wife and and, and uh, converting that into U.S. money. Uh, I don't know if he has a wife, but he has a child, a newborn child, and but he converting that to U.S. money. You're not that's not a whole lot left over. Um, so to to come back and play for the eighty thousand dollars that was left in the contract would be you know for a guy that's made as much money as Double D has it be you know not playing for much. You're basically paying your bills and and then going home for the season. So. That's uh, that would be my that would be my question is is uh, with that salary structure, if it, if he was playing for the love of the game, yes, he sure wasn't playing for money at that point in time. With how much he's made uh, in the past, I don't think that uh, coming back for a full season for eighty grand is really worth worth it for Darian in right now in his life situation. I get that. I can understand that when you want to crunch the numbers, if you're basing it on a guy who's living in the U.S. and you want to do the conversion and 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 slash almost 25 percent, you know, when you're looking at what the value of the Canadian dollar is right now compared to the U.S. buck, but and that he and that he I made have, a I half have... a million last year almost. Remember that too. <laughs> yeah, valid point. Um, you know, I guess some might argue he he stole that too based on his play. Wow, but... shots fired. <laughs> shots fired. Look, there's been a lot going on and and I I I can't, I say this in jest to a degree because I I want to get into some legacy stuff with Darian too, but for the moment, you know, there's something I teach my kids at home. You know, as a, as a as a dad with two young children, two young daughters, the one thing I try to teach with them is when one instigates something and the other one, so if you know one throws a kick at one and then the other one throws a kick back, just for an example. Not that my kids really throw a whole lot of kicks at each other, but let's just sort of put that out there. My expression, I often say to them to try to treat, you know, to try to teach them along the way: two wrongs don't make a right. All right, two wrongs don't make a right. And in the case for all those people saying. Well, you know, I mean, teams do it to players all the time. So, you know, it's this example all of a sudden. Don't tell me that Darian Durant is all of a sudden a martyr for the rest of the Players Association and every player that's come along the way over the course of their career. If you're best buds with Darian, you're going to laugh and you're going to back him on this. But this is a this seems incredibly disrespectful to an organization that was willing to take a chance on a guy who, let's face it, at this stage of his career, was damaged goods. And this isn't about trying to throw shade on Darian Durant. This is, again, going back to looking at the numbers of what he did over the course of his career. And things ended badly at the end of 2016. And if you look at the way things have ended for Darian Durant over the last few years, it ended poorly in Saskatchewan. And Davis, Darian alluded to this last year. There were suggestions that Darian didn't want to play for the Riders at the end of the season in 2016. And last year, we had this exact conversation with him here on the podcast on The Waggle. Do you remember that? I do. Yep. Yeah. And he basically said, look, he was he was out. He wasn't 100%, but he was about protecting his asset, which was himself, going into an offseason with you know, a lot of uncertainty in the and air. To paraphrase, so he was looking James, out for himself. That's, that's where yeah. he didn't say he was healthy. He didn't say, didn't say that. Uh, you know, he just didn't want to play. But he did mention. And remember, me and you got off, got off the air afterwards when we kind of looked at each other. Like, did he just say that? Because he made mention to being healthy but not being super healthy, which 
not being 100%. And we kind of said, well, you know, who's 100% at the end of a at the end of a season? So like that was that raised eyebrows for us, and I think you know, it sounded like it raised eyebrows for people in that organization. But you can't really call out, you know, if you're in the organization, then you can look at the situation and, and have your opinion. I will say that Darian's been a tough guy and a, and a competitor and battle for a long time. The question is tough, as I think is is uh, is not for any of us to do. I think that's for medical people to talk about. Sure. But he did say that to, in his own words that he didn't, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't a hundred percent. So he wasn't, didn't feel like he should play. But he, he made he made a personal decision for himself there at the end of 2016 that ultimately rubbed some of the higher ups with the riders organization the wrong way. They didn't come to an agreement in the off season and they part ways. He goes to Montreal and you look at where he goes to Montreal. You look at the body of work over the course of 2017 it didn't work. It didn't work. So now there's an or, another organization that's now essentially cutting bait on Darian Durant after 2017. Here we go to 2018, where he goes into an opportunity to be a veteran experienced backup for Matt Nichols, which a lot of people check the boxes on, right? Here's a little bit of sleeping with the enemy, if you will, longtime rider, now all of a sudden with the Bombers. And here we are in the middle of May, and this happens. But from this is all eventually going to go away in time because time will look back at more of the numbers and the body of work in terms of what he did on the field as opposed to this sort of thing. But when you look at what's happened over the last two years for Darian Durant, who has been one of the biggest stars in the Canadian Football League over the last decade, this is a really sad ending to a big star in this league and a guy who sold a lot of jerseys particularly in the prairies for a while and it's it's a sad ending for a guy who's had a pretty good career and for the short term this hurts the legacy in the long term it goes away but for the now it's sad it's sad to see a guy who's done so much going out like this i, I agree what are we talking about we're talking about seventy thousand dollars there you go like, we're talking about haggling over 70 grand for a guy who was making almost a half million dollars a year for the better part of the last half decade. Anyway. Thank you. I, that's the part I'm with you on this. And, and, and that's what I said to myself. And this, this right here doesn't necessarily have to go for Darian Durant. It could go for this. I look at in anyone's situation, not specific to Darian. If it's something that may tarnish one's legacy, and it's, I think it's, it's, I think it's the wrong thing to do to take the money. If, if you weren't gonna play, or even if you don't play, you need to return the money. And Darian's not the only one who's done this. It's it, a lot of guys have done this. We hear, I hear about it. I've heard about it a number of times from different guys who have done this, who have retired, signed a contract, took the off-season bonus, and then retired. The question I always have: some guy just fake an I injury, right? I don't know anybody's, you know, you don't know anybody's situation, and, and so you, you know. You don't want to make judgment or pass judgment, but I would say I would if I would question or I would contemplate what this means to my legacy and and and, and the dollar value. And I can never see uh, you know an amount of money that's gonna. The league has been so good to so many guys. Like I said, this is not about dairy. This is about this this conversation in general because we hear about it uh, quite often, just not publicly. Uh, but it's. I cannot see a league's been so good to so many of us 
and we've made like I always joke around. I've never had a job in my life. I've, I've you know the CFL has been and football has been my job and my life, and I'm super blessed for that. And so for that reason, for me, I would never I would never do that because it's it's like it's bad karma. It's it's uh, you know I think you're it's just disrespectful, like you said. You're this is a league that's been so good to you, and 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 why why on it and so that's how i feel and then and your name is always going to be brought up um when they talk about your name this is something that they're going to add to it all the time and it's it's a shame because it, it shouldn't be that way they shouldn't it, it, the conversation should it should be about great cup championships and and great years and all-stars and team teammates and those things not about if he kept 70 grand or not man that's 40 grand after tax for a guy that's made as much money as Darian has made it shouldn't matter. I mean, and it, it probably doesn't. But uh, I don't know. It's it's a it's a tough deal, and and I can see it from both sides. For me personally, I think it would be. It, I see it being a tough thing to do to for your name, for them to attach that to your name. It's tough. It's a tough deal. It's a tough deal. But you know, some will argue, James, that there's a lot of guys. I, I spoke to a lot of people who think it's okay for players to get that money. They deserve it. It's not our contracts aren't guaranteed. So too bad. But uh, I think a lot of I think most people would see it the other way. Well, and that's you're starting to see a trend in terms of guaranteed dollars is really starting to climb now in the National Football League, where you know shorter term contracts more guaranteed dough as opposed to these longer term deals that we Can I were tell you seeing. something? Talk and about something. Whatever, whatever the case. Let's talk about that, just yeah. real fast to what you're saying. To yeah. what you say, Darian Durant's contract was just that. It was guaranteed. That's how he structured that contract. That's Darian's contract yeah. was guaranteed. That's why he structured that way. When you get over half of your of your season money in an off season bonus, you you can't get cut. He as a veteran guy, he guaranteed himself by structuring and his agent Dan Bertley, I believe, st- structured his contract that way so that he was guaranteed. And that's uh, that's what he did, and that's what veteran guys do. You, you structure enough to where you have a big enough percentage of your money in the off season to where it's not worth it for a team to cut you. Did you not put yourself and, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause we've talked about this on the show, but you've, you've done, you did that yourself. Did you not like some of your contracts kind of worked out like that where you had a lot of front loaded money uh, from some of your contracts. Did you know? That's the only, after my rookie contract, all my contracts were that way. Every contract I signed from after my rookie year, the last seven or eight years, every contract was like that. I structured my off season money. Once I got my off season bonus, I was guaranteed and I, I really couldn't be released, or you could release me, but it wouldn't be worth it because I had gotten a high enough percentage of my money that I don't leave myself vulnerable. You don't want to carry. This is another conversation, but the vet guys know, and you can only do it if you're in a position of strength and negotiating, but you don't want to carry a huge base salary because all you're doing is you, know, you, you see numbers of guys carrying, you know, he makes this base, you know, whatever the X, X amount of dollars in the base salary you know, 80% or 90% of his salary, you don't want to carry a big a big base salary because you're the first person that they're going to look to slash when when they're making pay cuts. And that's the same in the NFL. You will see, and you're saying it's starting to you know, move towards more guaranteed money, which it is, but those are quarterbacks you're talking about mostly. Uh, but it's, you know, if you see a guy's contract in, in the last five years in the National Football League, you would hear a guy's, five-year deal for a hundred and you know 112 million or something well the last four years of that are backloaded in, in base salary that the guy's never going to touch so we all know as a player you know the real dollars i want to see when i hear a guy's deal the real dollars i want to hear are what 
what's up front and what's guaranteed. And CFL to a smaller scale, but it just goes by percentages. You just look at a percentage of the money and how much of it's guaranteed. And I can tell you if that guy has a chance of being cut or not by how much of the money he got before the season started in the offseason. And that's uh, – Darian had it structured that way. He had half his money up front, and he was not going to be cut. But he also was receiving – this is what I look at with Darian. He's also receiving so little of, of a base salary compared to what he's used to making that it's almost not worth it for him to come back. Now, does that mean he shouldn't have fulfilled his obligation to the Bombers? No, I don't think that – I mean, it doesn't show up, but when I look at it, it makes sense from how could he – How could he? if he's not really into playing, which he didn't look like he was loving football last year, his body language and the stuff I saw, but it was a tough situation. But, uh, you know, it's uh, – to come if you're not loving football, to come back for that amount of money, I, I could see him walking away. If you want to add another layer to it, for those people that know their Canada Revenue Agency sort of tax breakdown – when you are making about $150,000, you start falling into that 50% tax bracket after a certain dollar amount when you get up into the uh, the high uh, double digits or the, the low six figures. So his taxable amount on that back half of that $80,000 would essentially be, he would barely see most of that. It, but where the $70,000 up front, he'll see a lot of that. That's the stuff that's, you know, the lesser amount is taxed. You know, that $70,000 isn't taxed as heavily as the back half of that $80,000. So it's it's another financial win for him in that part. I'll just say, again, like I think we both made our point on this. It's, it's, I didn't like the way it ended like this. He's ultimately made his decision and he's got to live with it. You make a great point about karma. You reap what you sow in life. Uh, this story eventually goes away and people will remember more just the positive vibes about Darian and they Durant should. in terms of what he did as a player. Let's look at this from a second, from a legacy standpoint, from a numbers. He, he gets the Grey Cup uh, with the Riders in 2013. Uh, 167 touchdowns in his career, 115 picks, uh, over 31,000 yards, a 62.5% completion percentage. The five-year window between 2009 and 2013 is where the best of what we saw from Darian Durant, um, 121 of those touchdowns in that five-year span. Uh, he had some. He had significant injuries. He battled through it. You're right in terms of dealing with uh, from a toughness standpoint. Um, but do we? How we look at this? So throw this out there. Now that he's retired, we throw this out with players that retire. Uh, Hall of Fame. No, I haven't. I actually haven't thought about. It. I have to look at the numbers and compare them with other guys who are in the hall or, or who are not in the hall. Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. My quick thought is no. And in terms of what he did, there's a great five-year window, um, but I don't know if the numbers and the statistics and I just don't know if they're great enough to be as a Hall of Famer. Star in his prime, no question about it, but Hall of Famer. I think, I think he's only an all-star twice. I think he's only been an all-star twice. And I don't know if you be only an all-star twice. I don't know if you get the Hall of Fame numbers, Hall of Fame consideration, to be honest. Some of these guys are Hall of Famers, they're all-stars. So so look at look at so look at this. Um, guys that played in their prime in and around that sort of period of time between 2009 and 2013. 
Ricky Ray was there. Would you have rather had Darian Durant or Ricky Ray? You making me choose? You making me choose Probably quarterback who I rather have or not have? I don't know, <laughs> man. Listen, hey, look, yeah. look. I'm Travis gonna say Lule, this: Travis Lule. You know, Travis Lule. Well, you answer the question: Who would you rather have, Ricky Ray or Darian Durant? Who would you rather have, Travis Lule or Darian Durant? I'd take Travis Lule. There you Lule. go. You're, I'll say this: right, right now, Henry Burris or or Henry Darren Burris Durant. is a Hall of Famer, or soon to be. But anyway, my point is, and Ricky Ray's a Hall of Famer. I, it's now. Yeah. not to me. I don't. It's not the time to to put a guy in the Hall of Fame or not, or compare him to other guys. I, I, you know, I think Darian was a very good quarterback in his league. He's a champion, and that let's let's not. I've been. I have got a been ring. critical got of a Darian ring. last year, and I always say like this: what I saw in his body language. I covered the Owls. What I saw in his body language for a guy who, you know, they paid a lot of money to who. Had a chance to turn around a franchise who, who to be honest, Davis Reed put his faith and his trust, and Bob Wettenhall put his faith and trust and invest a lot of money in him, and you, with with that comes a lot of responsibility. And what I saw from his body language and the way he carried himself around, and that's just his. A lot of it is just his laxadaisical demeanor, but I didn't like it, and I I was critical of it. I want to see more fight from a guy that you invest in a, that much money in. But I will say this: at the end of the day. The man's a champion, and he's an all-star in this league, and he's a champion and a, an integral part of a team uh, that wins championships. And that does not come easy, and that's not uh, only a, there's only a, you know, a few, few people who can hold that honor, and he's one of those guys. So to sit here and knock him right now, I'm not going to do it or compare him against other guys. I not need to do it. The man's a champion. The man had a great career up here. I hate the way it ended. I hate the way um, the media will talk about it because of the, the signing bonus situation. But at the end of the day, Darian Durant was a heck of a football player. He's a heck of a competitor. Uh, and and I'm, I'll leave it at that because it is what it is. He deserves that respect for sure. Well, he brought some of the whole signing bonus stuff onto himself in fairness. But I will give you this. He oversaw one of the greatest eras of Saskatchewan Rough Rider football ever. And you look at the history of this team and their franchise. How many great cups has Sasky won? Four. One in 1966. One in 1989. One in 2007. And one in 2013. When you look at that sort of body of work, you know, Darian Durant... You know, there was a lot of success, or at least the the riders were competitive for a real stretch. Hey, man, you had a heck of a dog fight in the Grey Cup in 2009. With, was it 2009? Yeah, the they 13th were the, man. In 2009, right? they're the better team. Darian was a better quarterback that day than Anthony yeah. Calvillo. They were a better team than we were, and they should have been Grey Cup champions. No doubt about it. The best team that yeah. day did not win. The best team won, but not the best team that day. Uh, and, and then back to back too. And then 2010, the Riders went back to the Great Cup again and, and, and mm-hmm. lost to Montreal, a great Montreal team again. So, I mean, yeah, and that's he had to get out of the West too. Those are some good teams. You're right. You, to your point, James, those are some damn good teams he was on. They were some damn good teams. He's a heck of a quarterback. Those are some damn good teams. And you're right. That's He was part of one of the greatest uh, eras of Rider football in history. So – there again there's a lot of positives to what the guy did for his career he was one of the biggest stars in the league during his prime and you know a great goes out a great cup champion and i will say this for all the stuff how it's ended poorly i will say this 
I can fully appreciate anybody who drops a stay in your lane. <laughs> that's a so, mic drop. Darian, whatever whatever else you want to say about <laughs> Darian Durant, he dropped a stay in your lane, which I love. I love stay in your lanes in any – it works anytime, anywhere. I don't yeah. care. Give it to me. I'll take a stay in my lane. I deserve I deserve yeah. many stay in I'll my lanes. I want Le- – I want LeVar Ball to give me a stay in your lane. Okay, so another dramatic story that has unfolded Speak, here. Speaking over the of last staying week, in so your lane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This one I'm still trying I'm still trying to make sense of this one here, Chez. And this involves Darian's uh, second most recent former team, and that being the Montreal Alouettes. And this is something involving the new but no longer defensive coordinator in Khalil Carter, who is gone as defensive coordinator before they even had a game. The Alouettes own the league record for fastest coaching tenures in in the league. I, how many like what did Tom Higgins last? Like a couple games. Oh, it was Dan? Uh, it was Dan you know, Hawkins? There was, was a couple, couple of other guys in recent. Dan Hawkins with a couple games, like you know, pulling the plug on guys. Like the you know, the Alouettes lead the league in terms of record turfings, but this one isn't being labeled a turfing. But it's uh, he's moving on to spend more time with his family uh, and taking on a Stop scouting role. Stop it! Um, hey, listen, if you, you want to Stop it! All right, you want to you want to you you want to cut you want to cut through the uh, the uh, ha- are you calling hashtag nope, fake news here say, on I this? Say, I did not say anything. I just <laughs> I didn't say anything. Sorry. Continue. This I this, this this stinks on all ends, and in terms of the way it's being portrayed, and this general the general sense out there in the scuttlebutt amongst the Canadian Football League is that there was a clear disconnect early and often, which is why Khalil Carter is no longer on the sidelines with this team, even before training camp arrives. So what happened here? And uh, I'll, I'll weigh in with my thoughts here in a second, but what happened here, Chez, as somebody who's been around the Owls, you, you, man, you are a former Owl. I mean, this must pain you again to see another one of these also things happen. a teammate happen. of Khalil Carter. And, uh, you know what? I, I don't know. To be honest, I, I uh, well, not to be honest, but I don't know what happened. <laughs> so, but I will, I would just say, I would just say that uh, you know, Khalil has come out and and said that uh, you know he wants to be involved in scouting. He wants to be involved in that uh, part of football, and and uh, he's he said that the Owls have allowed him to do that. Now, the fact that uh, the timing of it doesn't seem right. Um, the, you know, kind of what happened, the, the back and forth on social with him and some fans a, a little bit. They're going back and forth a little bit and, and, and uh, you know, cl- arguing with him about, uh, you know, his departure and and, uh, and he stands strong that the fact that uh, this was a decision that he made with his family and uh, wants to move in that direction. I find it uh, difficult to wrap my head around how you would, where it would be mutually beneficial or mutually decided upon that you would walk away from the defensive coordinator duty that you just were hired for you know, months ago, that there's no one in a place to fill in behind you. I talked about Rich Stubler being there, but Rich Stubler is 70-something years old and, and not a part of the deal is that Rich Stubler can't handle the day-to-day grind of it at his, at his age. He's definitely capable 
a capable defensive coordinator. He's a great defense coordinator. He's been around this league a long time. Chris um, Stuller was actually my defensive coordinator in college at the University of Oregon back in a long, long time ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, Rich has been around this league a long time mm-hmm. and knows he knows the Canadian Football League. But but it just doesn't doesn't make sense that you know, because the conversation is that it was you know they they mutually decided that it just doesn't make sense that you would do that uh, this close to training camp after just hiring someone. There's there's more to it, but uh, it's not for me to to uh, speculate on. I just would say that there's probably some more to it. But if I'll say this, if the Owls want to move in a different direction, and Khalil Carter also wanted to move in a different direction in regards to being a different role or being close to his family, or the Owls wanting someone else, a different voice in that on that defense, then do it now. If you knew it wasn't going to work, here's the bottom line. If you knew that it was not going to work in Montreal with Khalil Carter and the situation for, for whatever reason, whether who's whoever decided it wasn't going to work, move on now. Don't wait till you're six games in and do it. Do it now. So that's uh, it's all good. Move on. If if both sides knew that this wasn't going to be a fit, and and there was obviously something in mind on this, okay, I get it. I I I understand. I understand that. But this isn't Costco's return policy here in the Canadian Football League. You can't just. This isn't where you buy a TV and and three years later, like Costco does, and you can say, hey, you know what, this just isn't my thing. I mean, you hear stories at Costco, like people returning real Christmas trees after Christmas where like the needles have all hit the ground and Costco is more than willing to take it back. This is a different scenario for an organization that's looking for continuity, looking for stability. How do you, how does this happen again? That's the biggest question I I sit there and wonder, because when you look at some major, major decisions that this organization has had to make over the last 18 months or even less than that, they missed on Jacques Chapdelaine staying put as their head coach last year. Didn't work, didn't fit, gone. You know, Darian Durant, you brought in as your quarterback, didn't work. Now you bring in your defensive coordinator. That seems like a miss as well for a team. That's trying to sell tickets for a team. That's trying to find its legs again and try to become one of those model franchises again in the Canadian football league. Like they were for what? Almost 15 years. This is really sad. What's happened in Montreal. It's tough to see It is tough, but I don't think this is a big deal. I mean, I would go back to, we can go back to all the, mishaps that have happened in the last three, four years. This one, I don't think this one, it is what it is. You're right. There's no Costco return policy. And if you, you need to know both sides, Khalil Carter and the Owls both need to, I think, understand each other better. Cause you know, you know what you're getting from the Owls as Khalil Carter. You knew what you were getting when you signed and joined there. So what changed in a few months and on the Owls side, you knew what you were getting in Khalil Carter, so I mean, what's the what's the change? And I, that's that's the that's the question I have. I, I, I could probably answer nothing. So I think there was something missing there in regards to uh, doing the due diligence or 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 understanding the person or understanding the organization that you're dealing with and and uh, and the, how things are working. That's not a knock on on organization or the person. Just you know what it is. So. Be ready to embrace that to what what it is, and and Khalil Carter. I'll say this: he's a heck of a football coach in regards to knowing football. 
Now, I don't know if there's some sort of disconnect between communicatively with Mike Sherman, with the Owls organization, whatever it was, but he knows football. And, uh, you know, the, the question would be personality-wise, if, if, it's, if it's a fit with those guys, and maybe obviously it's something, something wasn't right. But uh, I, I will say, how about this? On another, I don't know if you're ready to move from there, but good news, there's also good news with the Alouettes, really, really, really good news with the Alouettes. You want to uh, lay that one out there, James, or ready to move on from that? They're bringing you back out of no, retirement. Tyler Johnston. That's the Tyler Johnstone, Tyler Johnston. This is the kid that uh, we're talking supplementary draft right now. And this is a kid who the supplementary draft, for those who don't know, is a draft that takes place. Uh, it's coming up here in the next couple of weeks here. And it's for guys who have who didn't get the paperwork done or weren't deemed Canadians until after the combine or the draft. So they go into what they call a supplemental draft. Uh, guys like Ted Laurent were in the supplemental draft as well. And uh, Alex Singleton was a supplemental draft guy, I believe. But what it is is these guys didn't have figure out they were Canadian in t- Canadian in time to get into the draft and or the combine, the draft. So they have a supplemental draft. This guy, Tyler Johnston, who is uh, is it John Stone or Johnston? Ends with an E, so I'm going to go with John Stone. Yeah, let's go with John Stone. Tyler Johnston, University of Oregon. Da na na. He's a tackle who started like 39 games or something in the Pac-12. Um, the kid is an all-Pac-12 selection. He's a tackle. The kid's a stud, was in the National Football League. Has, it's, I don't think he's officially been cleared. Uh, the paperwork-wise, they'll, they'll find themselves shortly if he's uh, deemed Canadian, which it looks like he will be. And if he is, this kid might have gone first overall in the, in the draft. or He'll be up there with with Mark Chapman and Trey Rutherford as arguably the number one, two, or three pick, this kid is going to be property of the Alouettes, where the Alouettes will have opportunity to take him because the way the supplemental draft works, it works same way as the draft, is the team that has the first pick ends up having first right of refusal in the supplemental draft. The Owls will be able to take this guy, have him on the roster this year, and then next season – Whatever round he goes in the supplemental draft, they would have to give up that pick. He'll be a number one of the first round pick. So how it would work is if he other teams, they basically I'll give the short version of it, but basically if other teams would offer a third round pick for, for this guy, then the Owls would have to say, okay, well, I'll give a second round pick. Or if a team would offer a fifth round pick, another team would say I would give a fourth round pick. And you just keep on going lower and lower and lower until you get down to the first round. And because the Owls had the first pick of the first round, or Hamilton had it, but because it was the Owls' pick, they would get uh, – if they were willing to give up that their pick next year, their first-round pick, they would get that selection to take Tyler Johnstone, and that's going to add another stud Canadian starter lineman. He could play tackle, too. Uh, to their roster, they're loaded with Canadians. Say, say what you want about the quarterback situation. We all know that. But when you talk about Canadians, they got some Canadians. If they add Tyler Johnstone to their roster, which is, I think, very likely, uh, they're as deep as anyone in regards to Canadians right now, starting, Cana- starting Canadians. 
so give me give give me a sense. So are we talking potential ratio changer here by being able to put a Canadian left tackle in there? I think you got Elafoye left tackle, but you, at right tackle, I think that job is uh, there's competition. I think at that job, and the, and this, mm-hmm. this Tyler Johnstone could go in there and compete for that job. Or you know you look yeah. at what you have. I think you bring him in, see what you have in him because you haven't seen him. And he was in the NFL. He was with the Chargers last year, so you haven't seen seen him. This I like this guy. University of Oregon, San Diego Chargers. He's my kind of guy. Of course, you like him because he's a he's a duck, but he's he checks duck, the boxes. He's I mean, a charger, look at the games. He's an Alouette. He's my kind of guy. He's he's got almost yeah. Don't no kid. Yeah, no kid. He's he's followed the Davis Sanchez school of life uh, yeah, essentially from from a football standpoint. Yeah. Uh. So okay. So let me throw this hypothetical. By the way, forty almost forty starts. By the way, at the University of Oregon, including all thirteen starts in his senior year, but. You know, they also had the top offensive lineman uh, from the draft uh, earlier this month drafting Trey Rutherford. Teams didn't necessarily realize that he would be available uh, in in terms of availability for this supplemental draft um, where he just gets his dual citizenship here. Hindsight being 2020, do you think if they know that Tyler Johnson was going to have dual, would would they have kept Mark Chapman and take him first overall instead of letting the, the tabbies uh, trade up to grab him? No, because I don't think they know if they would have known at that time that John stone was for sure going to be available, then he would have been in the regular draft. So I don't think so unless they were, that'd be pretty slick if they were, because that would be uh yeah. So I, I think that the whole point of the supplemental draft is these are guys who they don't, they don't know until after the draft, if they, they could be a part of, mm-hmm they would be a part of the draft class. That's the reason why they don't get in the class. So they wouldn't have had that information or at least the full information before the draft. Uh, okay, so here we are. Training camp is here. Um, team's getting set to uh, to get going here over the next little while and uh, lots of exciting stuff ahead. I don't want to tip our hands, but I'm excited to what's going to be happening in Chessie's world and all of it. But tell you what, let me give you let me give you mine and then you can then you can you can choose to react or maybe that kind of spurs some ideas but for me i'm really intrigued to see what happens at quarterback situations right across the landscape and and not just talking about the franchise guys but the backup quarterbacks when you look at all the decisions where you're going whether it's in calgary here with the buckley situation that's just unfolded with the durant situation which has now just unfolded in winnipeg What's happening in Montreal and the quarterback battle that's going to take place there? What's happened in what's Ottawa got unfolding? What's happening with Edmonton and Kevin Glenn's situation now stepping in? Um, That's probably your most tried and true. And then what's ultimately going to happen in BC as well, depending on the health of, of Travis Lule bouncing back. The backup quarterbacks, this is an incredibly transitional time. And even to a degree, what happens in Hamilton? And is it going to be Vernon Adams in, in, in the B side? Or is Johnny Manziel come on the radar here in the next little while? Whatever it may be, the the quarterback scenario across the CFL landscape right now, it feels, uh, it feels a little thin right now. And that's to probably be kind on this one. Uh, my my thing is these these young receivers. That's that's what I'm interested to see is is this. You know, we've kind of looked at a new generation of receivers this year, and this this will be some of the second and third year guys. 
know, the, the Lamar Durant, the, the, the Shaq, Shaq Johnson in, in BC. And of course, you know, the young guys from last year, the Bahars, the Vandervoorts, and then we've got Chapman from this year. There's a, there's a lot of guys. Fioli Godino now is going to be expected to play a, play a big role in Ottawa. There's a potential ratio change there. There's, there's some young, younger Canadian receivers, and I'm probably missing a couple, but there's some younger Canadian receivers right now who are darn good. I mean, you saw what Ralph did last year, too. I know he wasn't drafted, so we sometimes forget about him, but numbers-wise, he outshined everybody. Uh, there's a lot of good young Canadian receivers. There are this, the next generation of star receivers in this league who uh, who are ready to burst in the seam. So I want to see who takes that big next step. And the other thing that I look at is the the defensive lines this year. There's there's as good of defensive line talent in this league as we've as we've seen in years. You talk about all the offensive linemen who got drafted. Well, there's a reason that people are taking all these linemen because. There's some damn good defensive lines out there this year. and I mean, it's I, – I wanted to look at the West and start to talk about the West, and all of a sudden I look over Toronto and say, God dang, and then look at Montreal got some guys. I mean, there there is some – in particular, I, I obviously look at the Calgary's and the Edmontons and just, wow, but uh, Toronto's got horses too. There's some there's some defensive lines that are uh, that are darn good in this league this year. So I want to see that as well, and uh, – yeah, that's the thing. What young wide receivers and these uh, these defensive lines. That's uh, yeah. I, when you start at the receivers, you you know, in terms of recent history, look at the two guys who were taken in the first round last year. You know, how did they evolve? Oh, I, I liked you know Nate Bahara. I'd love to see more of what he can do this season. You know, does Danny Vandervoort factor in more this particular season? And I'm so curious to see what guys like Mark Chapman can offer up, uh, you know, from, from the class of 2018 as well. There is, uh, I guess, as you said, there's a new breed on the horizon and uh, who's ready to establish themselves as the new stars here in this Canadian football league. A lot of new talent and a lot of fresh talent, and a lot of guys who look like they can play. So let the battles begin. And on that note, uh, we're going to get set to tee up uh, Chessie's conversation with Darvin Adams. Speaking of playmakers, Ches, uh, we'll get into that. And uh, we will dive into more CFL training camps as they are set to get underway by the time we hit the on buttons for our microphones and record the next edition of the waggle he's davis i'm james a perfect opportunity to remind those if you ever miss an episode of the waggle don't forget you can find all the archived episodes in itunes find us in the waggle leave a five-star review because we always like those and uh, you know what no better time to check out that one we did uh, last spring with one darian durant and get a little bit of uh uh, looking back on going into Montreal and, and that how things ended with the Riders based on um, what happened, uh, I guess, most recently here as things come to an end with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, Chaz's conversation with Darvin Adams from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is on deck right here on The Waggle. A wide receiver, Auburn Tigers wide receiver. I think you beat us in the in the college bowl series back in the day, uh, Oregon, you, beat, you guys beat Oregon one year in the, in the final, didn't you? Were you there? That, were you there then? Um, I shouldn't be liking you then because I'm, I'm an Oregon guy. But uh, Darvin Adams, uh, Auburn Tiger, Winnipeg, Blue Bombers receiver, welcome to the Waggle. Oh, man, I'm glad. I'm glad you got me on. 
Tell me about that game. Now I just uh, I never even realized that. But tell me about that game. What year was that when you guys uh, was that the final? Yes, it was uh, the Natty in 2010. Well, the 2010 2011 season, and uh, man, it was a great. It was just a great experience, you know, <clears throat> getting to go to Arizona, you know, playing in Phoenix. Man, that was the experience was great, you know. Throughout the weeks, you know, we go up there like a week earlier, you know, just the the outside of the football situation, you know. Obviously, the football is there, you know, but. Just the experience was good. You know, my family got to come down. My, you know, it, it, that just was fun. Took the Where are you from? I'm from Mississippi, you know. And uh, coming from, I'm from, people don't get out a lot, you know what I mean? And it's, it's exciting, you know, especially to my family. That's why I feel like I got a lot on my back, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, I mean, when they came, you know, to that game, especially the next championship, that meant a lot to me. Allowing them, that's, that's a cool experience, allowing them to experience not only, I mean, even for players, it's... Uh, not many people get to, that's an understatement, but a national championship is a pretty special, uh, special thing to go to. And then, and then especially getting to travel and bring your family, that, that's uh, obviously something that meant, meant a lot to you. Most definitely, man. And uh, I'm just a, a family grown guy. I'm from, you know, I got a large family, born and raised in Mississippi. Uh, and I mean, family, you know, that, that means a lot to me. So that was good. Chris Randall, a quarterback on your team. You scored a couple touchdowns. I saw it on two occasions this year. You come off the sideline, and you and Chris Randall got something going on, some little dance. You want to tell me about what the heck that is? Hey, that's my dog. You know, that's my dog. And uh, like I always say, man, Chris Randall is like one – that's the best corner. I go against him. That's why I feel like I'm the best receiver because I go against the best every day, you know. And uh, that, that the work the work ethic that he puts in is, is tremendous, you know what I'm saying? Just watching that guy come in earlier than everybody, leaving later than everybody. And uh, that means a lot. He's a he's a great leader, you know. And uh, you know that dance, just something me and him got going on. You know, we just do our thing. Do you expect to see that this year as well? You keep that going? Oh, most definitely. He already sent me texts already in the off season, like, "Hey, you better have your chin strap ready at practice." So <laughs> we had we had Chris on uh, earlier this year. I enjoy I enjoy Chris, a fun dude. And that was actually the next thing I was going to ask you: the battles between between you two, both vets, both both uh, you know widely known around the league as two of the best at your position. You go at each other, I'm sure. How does it work uh, taking care of each other's legs, staying, you know, some days competing, some days saying, hey, let's chill today. How's that relationship work between you guys? And do you guys actually ever uh, get into it, just from competitive vibes, actually get into it, even though you're boys? Uh, yeah, you know when you're a competitor, you know, uh, heated situations, you know, take place. And uh, he's a competitor, I'm a competitor. I don't want to lose, he don't want to lose. And me, the way I play is... I got to make a play so I can talk, you know, and he feel like he got to make a play so he can talk. But at the same time, got to be a professional. We both trying to, you know, work towards the same goal, which is win a great cup. So at the end of the day, you know, when it's days where it's no pass, it's less reps, you know, we try to take care of each other and stuff like that instead of trying to beat up on each other. But once those pass are on and stuff like that, he know I'm not his friend and he's not my friend. So that's how I go. Darvin, you just said uh, a couple seconds ago, you're the best receiver in this league. You, uh, when I look at the film, I'm not. You're up there, and I, I'm a, I'll put your name right up there with the best. And I don't think a lot of people around the league uh, will agree with that or, or, or realize that. I think you're kind of hidden. The one thing I say about Winnipeg Blue Bombers over the past few years is they don't have or did not have a number one receiver. Uh, the team was very good all the way through, but didn't have a number one guy. You are that guy now. It's it's. There's no doubt about it. What's what's in your tool bag? Um, that, that makes you a, a, a bona fide number one guy? Uh, me, honestly, man, it, it don't even come down to, you know, just the <clears throat> the label or the title of being a number one. I think a lot of people just don't understand on um, I hate losing. And uh, 
I think that that carries a long way in our locker room and the guys see how I carry myself and stuff like that. And uh, I mean, it's just uh, you gotta have. You said though, just to follow up, you said it doesn't. It's not about being number one. It is about. You have to have every team. Look at any good team in, in sports. There's there's that one guy that they know they're gonna go to. It doesn't take anything away from other guys because you gotta have a gr- group of guys to be good. But they, there's gotta be one guy that they know that's gonna demand a double team or they're going to go to you on second down and convert or be that guy, that game-changer guy. There's got to be a number one on every team. Most definitely. And, I mean, <clears throat> with you saying that, I mean, and I don't shy away from that situation of wanting to be the number one. or want, But at the same time, I am a humble person, and I, you know, respect the game, and I respect my coaches, and I respect the decisions that be made. So, I mean, I don't go around crying if I don't get the ball. You know what I mean? And I just do. I continue to be myself. Look out for my teammates and things like that. You're uh, you're primarily an X receiver, which is uh, for those who don't know, that's to the boundary side, outside. That's a guy who um, is on the line of scrimmage, can usually uh, doesn't need a waggle. That's a that was a quiet shout out to the podcast that we're on right now. Welcome to the waggle. Doesn't need a waggle to get loose. You can you can get away from man to man coverage. You have a skill set to to get off on releases. Um, how much? Uh, how much of that has changed for you as time's gone on? Because uh, you move around a lot now. So how much of that has changed for you, always being a stationary guy to now moving and, and moving around a bit? Uh, I think it's I think it's special, you know. And uh, Lapo always finds a, a a good way to involve me in the you know in the offense. And I think he's done a great job. Even me and Matt even brought it up to him on using me more in the waggle. So I mean, you might see a lot more of that also. That was my next question. When I look at the film, I see a lot of times where you're, you might start out wide, you short motion in, you become uh, a slot guy, or even just lining up in the slot. And one of your strengths is finding a, a soft spot in the zone. And you and Maddie seem to be on the same page, which is somewhat surprising for the little amount of time that you spend in there. You seem to be on the same page with him a lot in there. Do you expect you expect more of that, like you just said? Oh, most definitely, man. Especially uh, like you were saying about Matt. Matt is. A1, that's how we say great in Mississippi, you know, A1. He's he's a great quarterback, you know, and it's it's easy, it's easy for a receiver to get on the same page of a great quarterback. That's funny. So you say great quarterback. We don't hear uh, people around the league. When you ask who the best quarterbacks in the league are, who's the great quarterbacks in the league, Matt Nichols' name doesn't come up, very rarely. Uh, you hear Bo Levi Mitchell, you hear Ricky Ray, you hear Mike Riley. Not Matt Nichols. Why is he so uh, underrated? What, what is it about him, and what makes him special, and, you, and what makes you think he is why he is great? Me, personally, the things I see in him. You know, I get to go to work with him every day. So it's the 5 o'clock before we have to be there at 9 o'clock. You know, it's the in the meeting room. Uh, no, nah, we don't like that coach. Or, Darvin, run this like this. Or, Andrew, when, you do this hand, when we do this handoff, I want you to turn this way. Or, you know, just the different small things that a lot of people don't see. You know what I mean? And his leadership, like I tell Matt all the time, before we go in the huddle, I say, hey, look, you lead, we follow. So let's go. You know what I mean? So it's a whole different demeanor when we go in. He's that special in regards to uh, leading and then the details and adjustments in the game. He's that special compared to other guys you've been around? Most definitely. And like I said, uh, and I can vouch for it because I be around him all the time, you know. Accuracy-wise, that's another thing that people don't realize. You don't, uh, you know, people get opportunities. Uh, there's, there's few opportunities in the game. You might get five, four or five opportunities for either touchdowns, in red zone plays, or else deep strikes. He very rarely misses. Is he as accurate 
uh, as a quarterback as you've seen and what's his best throw? I mean, if you watch the film, you really got to gotta check him out because uh, he's always – I check him out. He's never – he doesn't miss. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and he's on time. That's the thing. He has a clock. He knows the situation, you know, and if it's not there, he knows to throw it away. If it's not, he uses legs, you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's a lot of things I can put together and say that he's so great at this, so great at this, but he's so great at all of them, you know what I mean? And uh, even like we're in the end zone, my favorite route I like him to throw is like a seam route. And I mean, he knows when to throw it over the top. You know, if I got a lead on the defender, he knows to lead me. You know, if I'm a little bit behind him, back shoulder, you know what I mean? So that that seam ball, and, and you know, I, I feel like that's a great ball. He He's so smart that he knows what to do. Uh, Darius Bowman coming over this, this offseason. I, I said that Darius Bowman coming to Winnipeg, joining your, your crew, was the biggest move in the offseason, and people thought I was a bit crazy. He's a receiver who's up in his 30s. He's, uh, you know, he's, he, he's some say on, on the decline, but in an older guy, how was that the biggest move in the offseason? The, the reason is that he did not go to the Riders and make their already potent receiving core even better, but he came to you guys, and he adds that, that dimension of a big body, a veteran guy, all-star to you. What's, you've seen him on film, probably haven't been around that much, but you've seen him on film. What's, what's he going to bring to your, uh, your receiving core? Animal. Yeah, animal. I mean, I've seen him <clears throat> go over the top, catch it near his toes, catch it behind him. I mean, it, I think it was a great move for us because, for one, I mean, he's big body. He's a veteran. He's a leader. You know what I mean? A lot of people look up to him. A lot of people know him. He's going to demand coverage, you know what I mean? And it's going to help our team out tremendously. As, as we go here, I, I'm, last one for you, and this is kind of something I've, I've asked a lot of people Everyone's in the offseason, you know the deal. Everyone says, oh, this is the year we're going to be better. This, is, this team's going to be better. And every guy I've talked to from every team says the same thing. Why are you guys going to be better? What's, other than a person, now you add some pieces. You did add some nice pieces, but everyone adds some pieces. You lost some pieces. Uh, what do you see in the, in, the, in the maturation of your squad that's going to get you uh, over the hump? Me personally, I think it's the losses that we've taken previously. And from the core people who were there when, we, when those losses take place, it's a bad burn in their stomach and in their heart. You know what I mean? And it makes it easier to come out and work harder, you know? And so I think that from those tough losses in the playoffs, back-to-back years, and even the year before that when we didn't even make the playoffs when I was here, and we still have those core guys around right now, and those guys know what it feels like to lose. So now it's time to feel like, you know, when they win, it's time to win. I expect uh, – I expect – between 12 and 1500 for Darvin Adams this year. For those of you who don't know or don't pay attention, turn the film on. The man is the number one receiver, one of the best in the league. And I, we, have a, we have a phrase here we use it the waggle. And then you've heard it before, but it's factual. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Men lie, women lie, film don't. Watch this, man. He's, he's one of the best. And uh, thanks for taking time uh, to join us in the waggle. Man, I appreciate y'all having me on. Darvin Adams.